Let me tell you about something that's really bothersome to hear, and it is actually worse than you think. There is an actual thought police. Did you know that some people are identified as suspects in criminal cases based initially on Google searches? These kinds of wide-ranging dragnets occur often now, and there are several cases where the source data has come from Google search, and in other cases it has come from geofencing using the locations in the Google Sensor Vault. But this is more widespread than you think. A large swath of society has actually been categorized as violent extremists or as domestic terrorists simply from Google search. And there's theoretical concern too about women in states where abortion is banned. These women are worried about potentially being identified criminally because they search for abortion providers near me. If you're in the USA, there are many court challenges to many of these search sweeps because it potentially runs afoul of the Fourth Amendment. However, the fact is that many of these digital searches go through unimpeded. The Fourth Amendment is slowly being defanged because of people's lack of awareness of how having no digital privacy affects them. And this goes even beyond big tech. Even organizations are engaging in privacy invasions that are being justified, for example, for the protection of minors or corporate security. Whatever your political site is, I think it behooves you to all be aware of how the lack of digital privacy may bite you in the behind when you're not thinking about it. Those who are more aware may be more immune to this, but there are societal issues when the masses are not aware of how privacy invasions are being used to destroy our constitutional rights. Stay right there for a deep dive into how the lack of digital privacy cancels our Fourth Amendment rights. What is the USA Constitution's Fourth Amendment and what is it for? The Constitution through the Fourth Amendment protects people from unreasonable searches and seizures by the government. In most cases, police searches have to be accompanied by a warrant. If you really think about this, I think it is really about preventing the abuse of power. Now, some of these are being litigated today in various court venues, but the main question is, what is considered unreasonable with search and seizures? For example, searches inside homes without a warrant are presumed to be unreasonable with some exceptions. Question, are widespread dragnets considered unreasonable? For example, if someone committed a violent crime in a neighborhood, would it be considered reasonable to go door to door in the entire neighborhood to look for potential suspects? Many of you would likely say this is unreasonable. However, would a digital search be in the same category? Strangely enough, people don't seem to care about the digital search which in reality is the same thing as a door-to-door -door search. In a case in Gainesville involving a burglary of expensive jewelry, a bicyclist was geofenced to be in the area of the victim's home who happened to be a neighbor. The bicyclist, Zachary McCoy, was deemed later to be falsely charged with the crime. Yes, he got out of jail, but the legal costs and stress that it cost him will be a burden to him for a long time. There are many cases being challenged in court like this. 
Maybe some are innocent like Zachary McCoy. Maybe some are not so innocent. But the question really is what the constitutional amendment is for and why is it being kicked to the sidewalk? A case in Denver, Colorado related to some juvenile setting fire to a house that killed several members of a family. The police had no suspects. But then they went to Google and found that this teen and two friends apparently searched for that victim's home address. And that led to the police charging them in the deadly fire. A physical equivalent of this type of search is if the police required that all people in a geographic area pop their trunk open for inspection. There may be a warrant in this case, but the warrant would be non-specific. I characterize this widespread approach as being a dragnet. Meaning, let's search for people's behavior on the internet and then use this to look for potential criminals. As I mentioned in the introduction, some pro-abortion activists are concerned that searching for abortion providers in the area or out of state would identify certain women as criminals where a particular kind of abortion is illegal. This is more of a potential threat rather than a real one at this moment. But let me tell you about what has really been happening all these years, and everyone has been quiet except for me. Google itself has a very active program for classifying people, especially those people they consider to be non-mainstream, which you will see later is a very mild description. It started off with an alphabet project in their division called Jigsaw. Many years ago, they decided that they wanted to use Google data to change the world. They were not just going to sit idly by with an immense trove of personal behavioral data and passively watch the world go by. No, Google decided they were going to be activists. One of the first projects that Jigsaw did was to identify Muslim extremists in London. From what I read, this project somehow involved three-letter and four-letter agencies. But the main feature of this data dragnet was that the population of individuals in London were identified by Google search. So based on Google search, a group was identified as being Muslim extremists. Though this was a Google action, I don't think it would be much of a stretch to assume that such a list of individuals would be provided to the four-letter agency in the UK. In any case, I want to emphasize that the classification was based just on search terms, not on any actual physical action or any criminal activity. In other words, this is a thought police kind of thing. Google then took this project and expanded it. Using their partner in London called Moonshot CVE, they then began changing what these individuals saw on Google. The main initial target was to change the results on Google search. I suspect that this could have gone beyond that with the involvement of the four-letter agency. The intent was to influence these people to look at alternative views by changing their search results. Let's progress further now in our very polarized society with various elements like extreme views in politics and vaccination. Moonshot CV has taken this a lot further. This group has identified people as violent extremists, again based on Google search terms, and these classifications identified people with their Google ID. There are actually maps that can show precisely where these individuals live. In fact, this is something that the average person is completely unaware of. They are oblivious 
to how Google has classified them with potentially life-affecting profiles such as violent extremists because of mostly right-wing views such as being anti-Hillary, anti-vaccination, anti-woke, and so on. You can actually go to the Moonshot CVE site and look at the various projects they have to classify people, but interestingly only based on Google's political side. Here's a case where it's not even the fact that Google is using its data to be an activist in issues, but it chooses to use its power to beat down on one particular set of views that are clearly politically one-sided. I want to caution you all to temper your political reactions to what I say because Google isn't the only organization involved with this. A potentially aggressive data activist company, Palantir, run by Peter Thiel, is also compiling data about individuals from social media and even government records. But Peter Thiel is on the opposite political spectrum to Google. So this power to affect our rights goes both ways. What is not entirely clear to the public is that the ability of these big tech companies to see your data allows them to profile your political beliefs, among other things. And then they can, like Google has attempted with certain targeted populations, try to influence these people by changing what they see on the internet. Apparently, it is not clear to the normal person that big tech companies like Google have identified each person using a Google ID. Each person's location is stored historically in a Google database called the Google Sensor Vault. This is the name that has been featured in multiple court cases because it provides geofencing data. I don't even have to make this up because they are part of the evidence in many court cases. For example, the Google Sensor Vault has provided the identities of over 900 people charged in the January 6 riots in Washington, D.C. The FBI in multiple cases warned about violent extremists being equivalent to domestic terrorists. Not making this up, memos were circulated by the FBI's warning of this and again the thought police and actual action in America. And the basis, by the way, of some of these are based on anti-vax beliefs or openly arguing about the curriculum of children with various school boards or arguing about what children are allowed to read. Basically, disagreement with one side apparently allows the FBI to dangerously classify some people as violent extremists, even in the absence of any physical action or actual crime. There should be a fear among many of us with countering beliefs that may be different from those in political power and being classified via a dragnet search of the internet using data freely provided by a big tech company with a political agenda. Would it be considered unbelievable that a Google or Palantir could provide such a list to the FBI simply on the basis of internet activity, but without any actual criminal activity? And they have already done so on social media. Here's another case where the digital spying is more direct. A private boarding school that one of my viewers told me about. Apparently, this viewer was a parent and was talking to his child who was at this boarding school at the time. But this private boarding school required that all conversations not use normal phones and messaging apps. People are required to use a specific app. It turned out that the school apparently eavesdrops on the conversations and that the parent was made aware that certain topics were out of bounds. This then made this parent research the app and found that yes, there was a man in the middle 
and this app allowed the eavesdropping. And this is supposed to be mainstream? What's the limit here? When did society draw the line with the elimination of digital privacy? The cavalier reaction to the lack of digital privacy in all our lives is very concerning. We are canceling the Fourth Amendment on ourselves. The Fourth Amendment is here to protect us from the abuse of power. Usually a third party, a judge in the case of the justice system, has to review the search and approve a warrant. But if searches are done digitally and quietly, then we are being searched even without our knowledge. It's almost like walking through hidden x-ray machines that can see through your clothes. Back in the day in the Soviet Union, Stalin's police chief made this famous quote, Show me the man and I'll show you the crime. Now, I've never engaged in any criminal activity in my life, but the Fourth Amendment has given me a bit of peace in the past that I can just live my life and be left alone. But now we're in a situation where we're not aware that what we say in the digital realm is being collected and potentially used against us. For example, if you search on topics related to nuclear fission, you might be put on a suspect list. Let me tell you, this gives me a lot of mistrust that I will ever be left alone. Unlike the average person who is completely oblivious to the dangers of a lack of digital privacy, however, I'm the spokesperson to changing behaviors to allow privacy to be retained. I'm here to make sure that we abandon this oblivion to the abuse of our data because the data collected so far and in the future is actually irreversible. I'm sure there's a ton of data collected about me, and I don't like that. But unlike the normal person, I made sure that my data is mostly circulated on my terms. I decide what I want others to see. They don't decide for me, and there's a way to do this. But first, you must all be conscious of the threat. Whether it be geofencing or being profiled based on what we do on the internet, be aware that the data collection is extreme. Sites like Google and Facebook track everything you do over the internet, even outside their platforms. They can do cross-device tracking so it doesn't even matter which devices you use. They know your search activity and what you read on every website. They can see locations 24-7. They can see who you associate with, who your contacts are. AI is there to analyze your beliefs and likely there to rank you in threat levels. I get arguments from people about what I say. Oh, Google and Apple don't track me 24-7. I can turn off locations and settings. These people are in dreamland and don't actually understand the technology. I'm here to assure you folks that you need to be scared. Nothing you have been told is true about your privacy. It's the exact opposite. There is none. And this threat extends from both government and private companies. You can watch my other videos to understand specifics. I won't bother explaining that here. Only a few of you will discover that you've been considered to be a suspect. Many of you will have been digitally searched to see if you're a suspect in something. You may just not be aware of it. But even without your knowledge, if you have an opinion, chances are these opinions have been logged in your name, something that can be searched by the thought police. Friends, I started a company to create products that protect your privacy. One of the most important privacy threats is the phone. 
So we have phones with an open source OS that have no links to big tech. These are called de-googled phones. And we have various models in our store. These phones are invisible to Google. They have no Google ID or other identifiers. Plus they work like normal phones and they're relatively inexpensive. We have a VPN service, Bytes VPN, which does not log you. It has no traffic limits. It doesn't scream that you're on a VPN and has worldwide coverage. We have Braxmail, which eliminates the metadata from your emails. This means no IP addresses and traces on your email that show where it came from. We give you seven domains and unlimited aliases so you can partition your activities. We also offer webmail access from a browser. All these products are on the store on my app, Braxme. Sign up on there. You will not be asked to give any personal information to sign up. Thank you for watching and see you again soon.